Good morning, morning. again. Hey, uh, I know nobody reads paper papers anymore, but um, front page of the East Greenwich Pendulum, Festival of Hope. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And that's Boaz there, right there on the front page. It's pretty cool. It's a short article, but you know, a number of pictures on there, so that's pretty exciting. People take notice of different things. Um, one thing I wonder if you take notice of this, and I think some of it is my fault, that in our bulletins we pray for a missionary every week, but we don't always, you don't always know who those people are, right? And that's kind of a problem. And, and uh, again, I take blame for that, not explaining who these people are. Some of them we've been, we've been supporting for 30 years, seriously. And, and Rosa Ornelas is one of those that we've been supporting. We went to Bible school together with Rosa. And that was, you know, a long time ago. And, uh, but we're going to play a little video, a short video about her ministry. We, you know, you and us, we've been supporter, supporting her for a small amount for a long time. So let's hear a little bit about her. Ready, Chris? Rosa was raised in Palm Desert, California. She came to understand that Jesus had gone to the cross for her and she wanted to live for him. Rosa was an elementary school teacher when she sensed God calling her to the mission field. She prayed and sought the Lord's direction. He confirmed his calling on her life through the scriptures. She stepped out in faith, left her career and attended the Horizon School of Evangelism in San Diego. Rosa then went to central Mexico where she served for nine years. Her health failed her and she was forced to come back to the United States, but God had a plan. Rosa still carried a burden in her heart for Mexico. Although she remained weak physically, God led her to start Lord of the Harvest Ministries. The vision the Lord gave LOH was to come alongside the national ministers and missionaries to reach the lost in Mexico and the nations. This is done by supplying their spiritual and practical needs as they step out to serve the unreached. Praying and giving to meet the needs of these ministers enables them to reach those who have not yet given their lives to Christ. In central Mexico, there are many indigenous groups and villages who do not have a Christian witness in their area. One region is known as the Circle of Silence, where 77% of Mexico's population lives, but only 1% of the population are Christians. LOH seeks to reach these people. A second particular burden is the area of the world known as the 1040 window, where the majority of the world's population lives. God is preparing and sending Mexican missionaries into these countries, and many are coming to Christ. God has allowed Lord of the Harvest to see this vision fulfilled in the lives of our missionaries. Gus and Inez Calixo are translating the gospel into indigenous languages in South America. Antoine and Marta are teaching children and preaching the gospel in West Africa. Ricardo and Christy are involved in pastoral work, evangelism, and discipleship. Lalo and Yolanda are taking the gospel to the unreached in Mexico. Jose Luis and Amalia and their family are planting churches, training and encouraging others to serve as missionaries and evangelists. 
Rosie Lopez is sharing the gospel and rescuing women trapped in abusive relationships. Nora Pastrana is teaching linguistics, missions, and discipling others to take the message of the gospel to unreached people. Pray for Rosa and the Lord of the Harvest and ask God how he can use you to share the gospel where you live. So that's Rosa Ornelas, now you, now you know. And uh, she's a single gal, but she's given her life to, to serve the Lord. And to physically, she couldn't go, but she has given her life to help others who could and people who were already there in these different countries. Now, all that to say, uh, I got uh, an email from her a couple of, couple of days ago, and this is what she told us about. Her house was on fire. And pretty much, uh, it's pretty much a total loss, and uh, it's just heartbreaking. So I, you know, I emailed back to her and said, you know, is there anything we can do to help out? Um, I don't know, just, I just want to help. I just think we should help her somehow. And, uh, pardon? Where is her house? She lives in Arizona. So, so please be praying for, for her, and, and she wants to just continue serving the Lord in the best way that she can, and, and, uh, but now she's homeless, and, you know, she had insurance, so they're going to do it, but, you know, that doesn't cover everything, and that doesn't count all the upheaval in a person's life. So, I don't know. We, we never ask. We don't take offerings. I, we don't actually do that, but if you feel like you want to give something towards her, please uh, let uh, let Anna know, let Norman know, and we'd like to help this this uh, this gal out. Let's open our Bibles, Genesis chapter fifteen. Talk about a missionary, right? Abraham went. God called Abraham, and and he sent him out from his his home. Uh, his family and everything else, and it says that he obeyed and he, that he went. And even though he didn't have all the steps or the exact location where he would uh, be ending up, but it says that he was looking forward. He was looking ahead to the city with foundations. He had his eyes towards heaven, and that's how he was able to do it. That's the that's the permanent city that you and I all have as, as believers in Jesus that I, like we sang in that song I built my faith, my life on Jesus and he's never going to let you down. He's never going to let me down. He has that place prepared. Jesus told his disciples I go to prepare a place for you and I'm going to bring you to be with me. Abraham, his faith wasn't perfect. We talked about that but, but he went he obeyed and went, and we saw that he built these altars, and that was something that he would do. He would build these altars, and I think you and I, we need to have those altars, those heart altars, those places where we have a place of worship and thanksgiving. Today, I want to talk about Abraham, but, but first I want to talk about Sarah. 
Because really, you know, they were married, right? It was Abraham and Sarah, and, and, but, but it's kind of like this, this impossible thing that happened. And, and it was like this. Abraham asked the question, me, a dad? And Sarah asked the question, me, a mom? How can that possibly be? Well, it can because God had a plan and God is able. When God has a plan and wants to do something, do you think he can and do it? That's what, you know, the, the concept, the idea, the theme of today's uh, message is that God is able and God can do it. This is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. It says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Because she had judged him faithful. We've been looking... <laughs> We've been... Uh... We've been looking at Abraham's faith and Abraham's journey, but, but Sarah, what about Sarah? You know, it wasn't just Abraham, Sarah also. See here, Sarah also, by faith. She had this journey. She had this faith as well. And, and you know, it's not just the one, it's, it's both. And it's, it's both each having their own walk, each having their own faith, each having their own journey in this life. Sarah, she had her own walk with God. She didn't depend on Abraham for everything, you know, and that is so, so true. You and I, each, we, we need our own walk with God. Now, it, it's okay, you know, when we're in a tough spot to depend upon the faith of somebody else. And that's, from time to time, that's essential, that's needed, but... You and I, we need our own walk, our own faith. And Sarah had that. She had that. It says by faith that, that she received the strength. Where did she get the strength? Where did she get this ability to, to have this child? She got it from God by, by faith. It says by a heart that was trusting, a heart that was seeking after God. Now, Sarah, she also did not have a perfect faith. Is there anybody in this room that has a perfect faith? Raise your hand. I do. Well, you just lost it because pride just took over. You better start all over again. <laughs> She's going like this. That's my, grand, that's my granddaughter, I have to say. But Sarah, you know, Sarah, incredible, incredible lady, this, this gal, Sarah, but she tries to help God out, right? And you can read about it. I, I hope you've read the book of Genesis, but you can read about it where Sarah tries to help out in the matter of her handmade Hagar, right? That's a whole nother story there. There's a few times where Sarah kind of laughs. We're going to look at those two. Not sure why she was laughing. She's laughing because she didn't... Believe her, she was laughing because she was so happy. It was a nervous laughter. We'll, we'll read that. But it says here that, that, or it says there, I should say, she bore a child when she was past the age. She, she had a child at 90 years old. Can you imagine that? I was thinking about, you know, my wife and I having a child now. I'm not 90 yet. I'm close. But it's way past the time for us to have a kid. Way past. 
But she had a child at 90 years old, and, and Abraham was 100 years old. She was past the age, past the time, yet God did what was humanly impossible. You look at it and you go, well, there's no way. Can't happen. Not going to happen. We gave up on that dream a long time ago. But God did something. God did something. God did the impossible. We sang that song today, and it's from Jeremiah 32:17. It says, Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. The God who created the universe, the heavens and the earth, to do something in your life, in my life, that's like nothing. Like, how did she do it? What did, what did Sarah do? It says here, she judged him faithful. By faith, it says, she judged him faithful. So she had faith that God was faithful, who had promised. See, God had given them promises, not just Abraham. Because there's two involved, you know, it takes two, right? And God had given them promises, and she believed that God was faithful, that God keeps his promises. That's a little different than one another, right? Do you, do you believe that everybody that you know makes, that makes a promise to you that 100% they're going to keep that promise? They try, and you make a promise to somebody, and you try, Right? But you don't always get it perfect. You don't always get it right. But God's not like that. God is utterly, completely, and totally faithful to his promises. I can say that for sure. I'm, I told you 1976 was a good year. 1976 was a year that I was saved, that God saved me, that I opened my heart and life to Jesus and let him in on September 1st, just a couple of days ago. And when I look back over 47 years, the first thing that always comes to me when I think about the situation, the first thing, and I, and I have to say it's the best thing that's ever happened to me, but the first thing that always comes to me is that God is faithful. 47 years, God is faithful, He's faithful, He's faithful, He's faithful. I have to say that over and over again. Sarah, it says she judged Him faithful. There was, there was a number of years from the first promise. We saw it in, in Genesis 12. As it wasn't, you know, with, within just a few days it, for, for this promise to, to take effect, to come to fruition. But, but for, for years, she trusted that God's faithful. If God promised it, he's going to do it. I don't really know how. So many, so many times in the Scripture, I just have to... I want to read a few Scriptures about this because it's so... It's so true from cover to cover. Paul the Apostle talked about it, and Paul went through all kinds of difficulties, didn't he? But he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says that God will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. He's going to get you and me to the end. I don't know how many more years I have. You don't know how many more years you have. But he says he will keep you strong to the end. What does it say? Paul says in Philippians, you know, that he who began a good work in you, he's faithful what? To complete it. He's faithful. 
Paul talked in 1 Corinthians 10 about that when we face temptation, that God is faithful. He's going to provide a way out. He's, going to, he's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. What about the great hymn of our faith? Great is thy faithfulness. You know where that's found? In the lamentations of Jeremiah. The lamentations, that means, you know, he's lamenting all the bad stuff that's going on, but in the middle of all the lamentations, it says, because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. His compassions or his mercies never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. If there's anything I can say to you today that God is faithful, he will keep his promises, and he is faithful to do all that he said that he will do. In fact, it says that in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. He will do it. Nothing can stop him if he promises it. You remember the guy uh, in the book of Numbers, there was a guy named Balaam, right? That's the guy who, you know, was talking to the donkey. You'll have to go and read it to find out what that was all about. But Balaam said this, he said, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? No and no. He speaks and he acts. He promises and he always fulfills. Sarah, this, this gal, this woman, a woman of faith, she's in the hall of faith. It says she judged him faithful who had promised. She had faith in him. Man, woman, child, it all gets back to trusting in the Almighty God, that he is able, that he loves you, that he wants to do something in your life. And it's a day-by-day -day thing, isn't it? You know, I... I became a believer. I, the Lord saved me back in 1976, but, but today is the day that I have to walk with him. Today. What's today's date again? September 3rd, 2023. I, I have to walk and, and walk by faith, not by sight. I have to call out to him through the troubles and the struggles and the trials of this life. Is he going to answer today? No, he only answered back in 1976. Is he going to answer you today? Yes. I can say that without any reservation, that he is going to answer you, and he, he will hear your cry. Now, he may tell you something different. He may answer you differently than what you would like him to answer. But he always answers. Why? Because he is faithful. He is faithful. Back to Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 12. It says, therefore, from one man and him as good as dead. You see, it wasn't just Sarah. He, he didn't have it either. We're born as many as the stars of the sky and multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. He was telling him, you're going to have a lot of, you know, descendants coming from you. Lots and lots and lots. But notice it says, from one man. We had Sarah, one woman, what God could do with one person. 
You say, well, you know what, I, I'm just one. God really can't do anything. I like it what it said at the end of uh, Rosa's uh, little video there. She says, what, you know, bring the gospel to where you are. And that's you and me. What can we do to share just that, that God is alive? This is not going to surprise you, but I was at a yard sale yesterday. <laughs> and, and we were looking at the stuff, and she didn't have that much stuff, but, but she was on the phone. She got a phone call. She made a phone call, and she was on the phone. And just by listening to what she was saying, she got some very bad news that somebody had passed away. Who could tell? And she walked kind of away, and she, you know, but, but you know, we were going to say, well, tell us about your phone call. No, we're going to do that. But we bought a couple things, not because to make her feel good, but just because we wanted them, and they were cheap. Anyways, you know, we just said, God, you know, God bless you. And she said, God bless you too. You know, you don't know what kind of impact just saying the, the name of God. The Lord bless you. Jesus loves you. You don't know. Sarah was just one person. Abraham was just one person. And look what God did. What God can do with one person. What God can do with you and with me. It, it's, it's, it's beyond our own comprehension. And he is good as dead. He didn't, you know, what God wanted to do, again, was humanly impossible. He says to a man that had no kids that was, you know, almost 100 years old, he said, you're going to have so many descendants, it's going to be innumerable descendants. And what, what is he going to say? Like, what? Wait, what? I hear people say that. Wait, what? How? Well, Genesis chapter 12, we looked at that promise there in the first few verses. Over and over it says, God says, I will, I will. I will. Not you, Abraham. God said, I will do it. Let's, let's look at some of those verses in Genesis chapter 15, starting in Genesis chapter 15. In verse 1, now a little bit of a timeline here. We looked at Genesis 12 where the promises uh, that God gave to Abraham. Uh, at that particular time, Abraham was like 75, and so Sarah would be like 65. They're about 10 years apart. Uh, chapter 14, we have this whole thing where Abraham's rescuing his nephew, Lot. And now in chapter 15, Abraham is, this is like 10 years later, so Abraham's like 85 now. Sarah's like 75. And God speaks, and, and we don't know, was God speaking in between those times? We don't know, but, but it says this. After this, it says in verse 1, chapter 15, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He spoke to him in a vision, and, and he said this, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. What a beauty. I love that. I love that verse. We're going to talk about that a different week. But verse 2, Abram said, O sovereign Lord. God spoke to him already. He spoke to him before. He says you're going to be a father of many nations. He's spoken to him now. Don't be afraid. Don't let fear control you. 
But Abram said, O oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. It's a valid question, right? Again, was his faith perfect? No, but, but you can still trust the Lord and still have a question. It's okay, I believe that, but kind of like, how is that, is that going to be my, you know, Eliezer, my servant, the servant in my household? You can still believe God and ask him, okay, God, I mean, Gideon, right, he, he, he believed God, but he said, okay, but can you just like give me like a, a sign? Can you just like show me, just, I'm just a little bit confused, I'm a little bit unsure about that, and, and what God say? No. You're an idiot. What did God say? He said, okay, I'll, all right. And three times he does that. Now, I don't think we should always be asking God for fleeces, you know. I think sometimes we can get fleeced when we're always asking for fleeces. But, but you know, Abraham, you're just being honest with God, and I think God knows what we're thinking anyway, so why not be honest with him, right? But look what God says in verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to him. He says, This man, Eliezer, will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, look up, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. In verse 6, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited, credited, credited it to him as righteousness. You, you try to say that. Abraham believed the Lord. God spoke and said, you know what? It's going to be you. It's going to be through you. Doesn't, don't, look at, don't look at the situation. Look at me. And it says there, in this verse, uh, verse 6, chapter 15, is a very important verse because it, it's really, it talks about Abram and, and his faith, that he trusted God, he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. This verse is quoted three times in the New Testament about how God gives us his righteousness through faith. Abraham was saved by faith, just as you and I are saved by faith. And this is way be, this is before the law. This is before the coming of Jesus. Why? Because he had a heart after God. He believed God. Jump ahead to chapter 17. Chapter 16 has the whole thing about Hagar and Ishmael. You can read that on your own. Genesis chapter 15, jump down to verse, uh, excuse me, Genesis 17, verse 15. And God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her that's, so that she will be the mother of nations and kings of peoples will come from her. And Abraham fell face down. That's a picture that I think we, you and I should, should know. And we should know it for ourselves. Abraham, he fell face down 
before God. But he laughed. He's face down. He's humbled before God, but he laughed. He said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. That's the son that came through Hagar. And then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. You know what Isaac means? He laughs. Abraham laughs here. He's humbled before God, but he laughs. And, and I think God has a sense of humor. I, I really do. Some say, you know, he's laughing in joyful wonder, not in unbelief. Like, how would you know that? We don't know what is going on in his heart, but, but the scripture is honest. Jump ahead to chapter 18, verse 9. The three visitors, they say, where is your wife, Sarah? There in the tent, he said, then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were already old. I feel that way sometimes. And well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing, so Sarah laughed to herself. Uh, can you picture this? Like Abraham laughing, Sarah laughing. I don't, maybe they had this great relationship where they laughed together. They just, you know, they had this kind of a nice, fun relationship. I don't know. They're, they're kind of separate when these, these are happening here. But she laughed to herself and she, as she thought, after I'm worn out and my, ma and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? And then the Lord said to Abraham, Abraham, why does Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? And this is what the Lord says to Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord, for Yahweh? He says, I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was afraid, so she lied and, and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. You can't hide it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? In the middle of, you know, our humanity and our, you know, our wavering and, and, and not sure about all these different things, but she trusted. We saw it. She had faith that God could do it. She trusted him. She believed that he was faithful to do what he had promised. And, and is anything too hard for the Lord? The, the Lord reminds them. Is anything too hard? Is, is whatever situation that's happening in your life, is it, is it too, hard, too hard for God? Well, I'm not sure you can handle this one. You're, you know, you're kind of busy, like running, keeping things spinning in the universe and all that, but I, I'm not sure, you know, my situation, you don't, you don't really understand. Did you ever say that to him? I think I've thought it. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, to him be the glory, according to that power that's work, at work within us. 
He's able to do it way more than you can actually imagine or think or pray or ask anything. He's way, way, way more able to do it. One last section, Genesis chapter 21. Genesis 21. Again, you need to read the the whole book of Genesis to get the whole flow and and get uh, exactly what is happening here. But let's look at chapter 21, verse 1. Now this version says this, The Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. It was grace. But God did what he had said. He kept his promise. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time that God had promised him. How long did that take? This was like, if the timeline is is accurate, 75 years from, right, Genesis chapter uh, 12. And then another promise at 85, and then God speaks to them again at 90, 99. We're looking at decades, right? Till God fulfilled that word. I don't know about you, but I, I have some, some things that I believe God has promised in my life that, that have not yet taken place, but I believe they will. But in his time, and that's what it says here, at the very time that God had promised him, the God, time that God said that he would do it, And Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son bore him, to the son that Sarah bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. You got to love that. And she added, who who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. God did what he had promised to do. It took a long time for it to come. But hold on. Hold on to, to, to what God has spoken to your life, what God has promised in your life. But I love it. There's more laughter There's laughter before, there's laughter after. And who would have thought? Who would have thought? There's things in your life, and and people will say, you know, who would have thought that that could actually happen to you? Who would have thought that you would become a Christian? What? You know, can anything good come out of San Diego? Who would have thought, you know? They're going to do a 50-year... Reunion at my high school. In fact, I think they might have already done it. I missed it. I, I've never been to any of them, so I, I, I felt like going to the 50 would be kind of like, nah. But I can just imagine, you know, when I was in high school, you know, it was, it was a different sort of picture. Who would have thought that I would be across the country, that God would do this incredible thing and start a a church and and be involved with people's lives for, you know, 35, 40 years? Who would have thought? I look at it and say, like, that's that's, that's impossible. This little pothead back in Claremont. 
this little juvenile delinquent. Seriously, I'm not making that up. Yet God can do what God wants to do, and God has done it. And God is still doing it. And he's doing it in your life as well. Because God is faithful, and he's faithful with you today. He's faithful, and he keeps his promises, and nothing, nothing, nothing is too difficult for him. So, so what does God want? He wants us to trust him. Bottom line, you know, it happens with kids too. You say, well, you just trust me. I know. You can't run out in the street. Trust me. Don't do it. God says it to you and I as well. Will you just trust me? I know what I'm doing. And I'm going to keep my promises. And one day I'm going to take you home to be with me. So keep your eye on heaven. But also look at what God is doing here now, today, with you and with me. Amen? Let's pray together, shall we? Uh, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you, most of all, that you are faithful. And you said, you promised that whoever would come to you, that you would save them and give them eternal life. You promised it. And that promise is true. And you keep your word. You keep your promises. Jesus, you promised that you're going to prepare that place for us. And and that you're going to bring us to be there with you at the proper time, at the right time. And you're faithful to that promise. Maybe today you, you're looking at something in your life. It's a, it's a mountain. It's a Mount Everest, and you're going, there's no way. But God said, by faith, that mountains can be moved. By faith, by trusting him. He says, trust me, just trust me. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today, because today's got enough stuff going on. Trust me today, he says. And maybe you need to give Jesus a chance in your life. Maybe... Maybe you've never received him, and today's a good day. I, I can testify to that. September 1st, 1976, my life was changed forever. Best thing that ever, ever, ever happened to me. And I know that God can do a work in your life. Just let him. You have to say yes and surrender and say, Jesus, please save me today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing one more song too, please.